Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Phoenix Five, or rather the Phoenix Two. Uh, it's it's myself and David Grant today. Hey, guys, Dave, you alright, mate? Hello, Paul. Yeah, I'm alright, mate. You? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Obviously, the other lads aren't here today, which is no problem at all. Everyone just jumps on when they can, really, at the moment. We're looking a bit about your club, Fulham. But obviously, you're a Fulham fan, um, and I thought we'd start with them this week. So I want to talk to you about Fulham in, in the Alfired years, basically, because um, obviously prior to '97, you was in League Two and used to go quite a lot with your, your old man. Um, what do you remember about prior to Alfire taking over as a club? Well, I might as well start from the beginning. I don't want to drag on a bit, but yeah, um, we've mentioned it before about uh, when we've done a London Clubs episode, um, my first game was Sheffield Wednesday and QPR. Um, obviously, we, us living in West London, QPR was like a stone's throw. Well, especially for you, it was about a 10 minute walk for me. That was when they was in the Premier League back in, when it first started as well. I used to get tickets off um, the soccer schools. We used to go on the, on the in the summertime. And, used to, and back then as well, I used to be able to pound the gate. But it was just, it, it was just never never clicked for me. I used to go, just watch football, but it never felt like my club. And then my dad just started taking me to Fulham. He's a Fulham supporter. He always has been. Um, we started going on a regular basis and they was in like the old second division, more or less rock bottom. And um, it just felt right. And then we started going every week and I'd become a Fulham supporter. But the, the season before I started going regular, they was... They was bottom poor, I think. I can't remember who else that they were bottom with, but they were really struggling. That's the days when I went, Ian Brantford was the manager, and they I remember loads of people outside the ground with buckets collecting money to save the club. Jim Mill was a the chairman then. I didn't know what was going on. I just came to see a, a game of football because I was obsessed with football back then. But yeah, we had Ian Brantford. Um, on top of my head, um, the players, the Fulham fans listening, remember Mickey Conroy. Um, he's got a famous goal from the halfway line, but that was a couple of seasons later. Against Wickham, um, we had Darren Freeman, we had Terry Erlock, Tony Langingall, um, Duncan Jupp, who went on to Wimbledon, Mickey Adams, who became our boss as well. So, yeah, we had some okay players, but yeah, it was a bit of a struggle. But um, yeah, it all came good in the end because we got promoted 
the season I started going, lucky enough. Um, I think we finished second to Wigan, if I remember right. And then that summer we went, went up, um, our fire took over. But obviously being a school kid, I didn't really know the ins and outs of finances and stuff like that. I just thought some bloke just come to buy Fulham and didn't think much about it. My dad was, I remember my dad being excited at the time. Because it was, uh, you know, he knew Alfred as a money man from Harrods, and that was it. An Egyptian guy that had been around from the sixties and seventies and eighties. Our parents' generation knew who he was. I ain't got a clue. And uh, yeah, um, it was more or less ended up like a five-year plan. I think we've done it in four. So I, that was my early memories of Fulham being a poor club, struggling, nearly going out of business, to then being one of the richest clubs outside the Premier League, mate. Yeah, I mean, you were saying about where you were in '96, in February '96, um, when Alfred first was linked. I found a link in 96 where Alfie was linked to buying the club and it, it, it took, I think, a year to, to get it all sorted at the time. But you were 91st in the Football League, which is the bottom mm. of Division 3 at the time. Um, and there was talk, I mean, in the early 80s, there were talk of you merging with QPR at some stage because the, the finance of the club was so so bad. I don't know how much truth's in that. Um, but I think it was 1986, I think it was. Fulham weren't in that administration, but there's quite a, a lot of financial problems around the club. And there was actual serious talks going on with, with merging with QPR, which obviously never materialised, luckily. Um, I, I've gone back and looked at it just, just briefly, and I think you was almost the first, I know it's a, a term, a championship manager club. You know, where you someone came in with some money. I think you were one of the first clubs to, to have that injection of money at a lower league to get mm. from where you were to where you got to. I mean, you had Blackburn, we've spoken about enough times about Ewood Park and, um, you know, Jack Walker doing what he had to do there and Newcastle, but they were either in Championship or division, Old Division 1 or in the Premier League where the money came in. Uh, so 97, now fired buys Fulham for 6.25 million, which is quite a lot of money. We don't, obviously not knowing it then, but what do you, do you reckon you, that was quite a lot of money back then? Six, 6.25 million seems like quite a lot of money at the time for a uh, then yeah, division does, two yeah. club. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. It does. Yeah, division two as well. You got remember you got the Premier League and then you got the first division, which is second tier. And then base we we were third tier. So yeah, it's it's a lot of money. But you mentioned the Blackburn thing. Yeah, you're right. I agree. Um, at that time, Jack Walker did buy them. I think um, outside the Premier League, but the money started getting pumped in more when they were in the Premier League, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, from my memory, I haven't looked up on it. I know he bought a few players. They were a rich club outside of the Premier League, but not to the extent of Fulham was in the second division. I mean, a major coup, you mentioned there about the money, a major coup was we got Chris Coleman from Palace, no, Blackburn, sorry, um, to Fulham, uh, established Premier League player, rifled with injuries at the time. Luckily, he came to us. And that was a big coup, that was. He dropped two divisions to come and play for Fulham. Uh, I don't know what the way situation was. I'm guessing he would have been matched or on better money at Fulham. I don't know. But yeah, when you start seeing players like uh, Chris Coleman come come down to Fulham, you think, oh, something's happening here, something's going on here. And he became club captain and... Yeah, yeah. Um, first division Premier League, but yeah, yeah. You know, no. Back to your original point. Um, two, two point six million. Did you say six point two five million? Six, six point two five. Sorry, my misurgery. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all right. In today's today's money, it sounds like a pit, pittance, doesn't it? But yeah, it would have been a lot of money back then in you know, mid nineties. But yeah. But you, I reckon, if you were, if 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 I went now to go and buy a, a, a equivalent of a League Two club now, I reckon I could buy a League Two club for six point two five million now. You know, and you're thinking mm. this is back in '97. That, that, that's, yeah. it, it was almost overpaid. I wonder if it was the London club aspect again. You know, the, the term "sleeping giants" always used quite often. I wonder if they looked at this at the time and thought, actually, you know, you could have probably bought QPR or someone else, but you went to Fulham, which is a bit more of a project. I mean, in Division Two, you spent 1.1 million, which back in the day was like 
un- unheard of in such exactly. a low thing. You said about obviously Chris Coleman coming in. There's a few other players. I think Paul Pescalido come in as well for mm. a transfer fee. Uh, and then obviously 98, Keegan comes in. Well, it was Keegan and Ray Wilkins, wasn't it? But Wilkins left quite soon into it. That, am I right in saying yeah, that? I, I think so. But from my memory, we had, when I first got going, it was Ian Branford and we were just a shit, shit club. Mickey Adams took over and he, he got us promoted. I'm on a shoestring. And um, next one, Al Fide came in. Adams was still there. But I think, he, he, I think Fulham fans might, don't misquote me, um, I think um, Wilkins came in, done a job, didn't get promoted. I think we lost to Grimsby in the playoffs semis because I remember going to Craven Cottage and watching it on a big screen in the middle of the pitch. Uh, the second season, Keegan came in, Wilkins stayed, and then Keegan got us promoted. I can't remember if it was the first or second time left for the England job and then Paul Bracewell came in and we had a mixture from there. But yeah, that's right. Wilkins did manage this for a bit, but he failed at the promotion and Keegan came in and they were a bit like a double act, I think, Paul. Yeah. I mean, again, that was in the area where you did get almost two managers. Borough had it with Venables and Robson. Um, and there was one or two other clubs that had that dual manager role back then, which dual you, manager, you, yeah. you wouldn't be able to do that now. Um, but yes, yeah, so you spent 1.1 million. You got yourself into um, into which would be League One, which is the, would be the championship now. And then I think and then John Tagana came in, who won the league the previous season at, was it Lyon he came from? Am I right in saying Lyon? Uh, you're probably right. I can't remember which French club he came from. Um, I wouldn't have, a, I didn't have a clue. I just remember his name from the, uh, the he used to play with Platini. I, I can't remember if it was the 82 World Cup or the 86 Euros or something. I, I just knew his name. I didn't know anything else about him. I didn't know where he'd come from, but you're probably right. Probably was Leon or something. I know he came on, with a decent reputation. Yeah, it's either Leon or Monaco, but I know he won the, he won the French League this season. Oh, yeah, I think it was Monaco, Paul. Is it Monaco? Mon- that rings a bell now because he was he had Henri at, at Monaco with him. I'm That's sure right, he did. Yeah. Yes, it was Monaco. That's right. Yeah, I know it was one and they won the league that season. Then he came over to the the again. So he's dropped from, you know, winning the league in the French league. Yeah, to go to the championship. So obviously wages comes into a point, and, and there was obviously a long term product pro- project. What do you remember most about Tigner in the early getting yourself from the championship to, to to the Premier League? Is there much you remember about that season? Uh, if I'm honest, what uh, you know, you know me, I love watching. Good football. I love watching players that can control the ball. I love the way they pass the ball. I like I like them to finish. Don't get me wrong. This is what the issue I had with Scott Parker last season, but we won't get into that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but to be honest, me going to Fulham, I stopped going to Fulham in two thousand and five when I moved up to the Midlands. So I've seen a, a few managers between nineteen ninety five and two thousand and five. But the best football, not necessarily the best team, best team spirit, but the best football I've seen played was under Tigana. Especially when we played at um, Loftus Road as well. Um, under Tegan, we were very hard to get the ball off. But uh, the second season at Loftus Road, when I think he left then, I think we yeah. left or we got the sack. We just, we dominated a lot of games. We just struggled to score, score goals. But the actual football to the eye was, was brilliant. Two to touch, one touch. But a lot of it, you know, takes to the wing, push, pass it back. Instead of having a shot. It was more or less trying to walk the ball, like trying to do an Arsenal at that time, but we're not good enough to do an Arsenal. And then obviously we had Louis Sahar, but he left by the time. I think Coleman was there when we sold him, but that's another story. But yeah, for me, the Tig in a question, Paul, actually going and watching Fulham, home and away, he's the best manager for football I've seen at the cottage. Obviously, we've had managers since, as in uh, we had... uh, We've had Hodson, yeah. We've had Coleman. um, We had McGat. 
Jokanovic, etc. We've had a few of that, but for me personally, best footballer I've seen is is John Tigner's style of play. Well, Going on the floor, he came in and, and it, when he got promoted for his first season, finished thirteenth, which is which is your best finish for over thirty years. Qualified for the Europe over the. Did you win the Intertoto Cup that year? I'm sure, did you win it? Or yeah, when we was at Loftus Road, we did. Yeah, but when he yeah. took us up from the first division, we had over hundred points. That's which right, was massive. Yeah, we had we had the highest points total ever in that division I think until Reading come and uh, stole it I think they, they won it by 100 and they beat us by a couple of points I think but yeah this when we were, and you got 101 if I'm, if I'm yeah. right in that. when we got promoted to the Premier League um, I can't remember if it was the first season or the we had a bye anyway because of the st- Fulham Craven Cottage had standing and it, was, it wasn't allowed in the Premier League or something so we played two seasons at Loftus Road but yeah we went, used to go to the Intertoto games down at um, off this road, uh, we had could be won the Intertoto and went into the UEFA Cup. I, I always remember like um, QPR like having half of the UEFA Cup receipts and stuff. There was a bit of a hoo ha about it. Um, that's the financial side, but yeah, we had uh, I can't remember now where we had we had Sosho come down to to Fulham, the French club. There weren't great sides coming down, but we had Inamoto as well. He, he he pumped in a few goals. We got him from Arsenal, but yeah, yeah, that, it was like a five year plan, but it done it in four. So yeah, I, I mean, Fulham at the time it was was you know they were they they. they as he said, it was the, the famous five-year plan, done it in four. Um, and then he, they sacked Tigana, Tigana. Apparently, it's sacked, yeah. Yeah, but it, they sacked him. They weren't in danger of going down. So I think they was, when they sacked him, I'm sure they were 13th or 14th in the league. But they sacked him because him and Fire had a falling out because he was apparently overplayed. This is back in the days when the managers kind of said, I think he's worth this. And then they paid the fee for players. And, and there wasn't directors of football and all this other stuff back then. And uh, they accused him of overpaying and, and pocketing some of the money. It was later taken to court and uh, Fulham lost the case. And I think Tagana won a payout from Fulham in the end. But let's talk about some of the players that came in. I mean, again, I think if I'm right in thinking, I might be wrong. But it was around the same time the French Revolution that Wenger was doing. You had the same thing at Fulham at the time, or that kind of uh, was it Steve Marley, uh, mm. Malbrank, um, what was the other midfield? Legwinski. Legwinski. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Zaha. You know, yeah. that must have been quite an exciting time as a Fulham fan, quite as, as you say, ball defeat technical players. Technically, they were four fantastic players. What was it like seeing them play? Star was the best of the lot. Obviously, your, your lot came in and took him away from us because he was oh, averaging a goal a game that season. Yeah, I remember that. He was averaging a goal a game. Legwinski was he was solid. He was not solid, but he was consistent. Mal Brank was a great player. Marley, oh, we have spoke about it before in our flopped episode. Um, he's the, he was the disappointment. I to be honest, but I didn't know anything about him. To be honest, remember, remember back then, uh, social media and YouTube wasn't really available, so you'd only sort of I might have seen the odd clip of him on Euro goals or something like that, or read about him in World Soccer. But I never knew, knew anything about him, but he was supposed to be not as good as Henri, obviously, but he was supposed to be, like you said, a prodigy um, of French football, up and coming. He had like one good game in, t- in 10. It, when he did have a good game, he, he did look good, but it's, for what we paid for him, I think it was like 10, 12 million or something. 11 and a half. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good enough. We had Facundo Sava, they signed in from some um, Argentinian side. I'd, I'd have played him every day of the week over Marley, and he cost probably a quarter of what we paid for him, uh, Marley. So, yeah, it just wasn't... Just didn't work out, like we've said in the past about flops. But yeah, we had a few French players. We had a few flops as well. Uh, Francois Keller came in. We had um, Fabrice Fernandez as well. He was pretty good. He ended up going to Southampton. He was a decent French player. But yeah, yeah, it was a bit of a French revolution, but sort of the, the B side compared to Wenger's French revolution, you know. So <laughs> yeah, they were good times, to be fair. They were good times, Paul. It was, I, was, I, I went to watch Fulham, luckily, in that era, whereas my dad used to go and watch them 
in the 80s when they went to the second and third division. So we'll talk about Louis Saha because obviously United and Fulham have this a few players that moved over and uh, Saha was our, our first signing from you. Uh, how good was he at Fulham? You, you, I'll, 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 I'll ask you a question with the question you've asked me. You remember, remember when you had a loan spell at Newcastle? Yeah, in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. So when he came to Fulham, I thought, I'm not sure about this one. Obviously, dropping a league, I think he scored one good goal for Newcastle, didn't he? Then he sort of, like you say, he flopped and disappeared. Um, yeah. So I just took a pinch of salt. We signed a striker, let's see how he gets on. And he was prolific in the first division. Then he was hampered with injuries. And then he had the season Man United signed him. He was averaging a goal a game. And I'll always remember this, Paul. Do you remember the, the viewers, the listeners might remember as well? We had, there used to be a channel called Premiership Plus. Yes. It was like a pay-per-view channel. So you had your Sky Sports. Owned by ITV, yeah. Uh, yeah, whoever's owned by it. It's called Pre- George Graham used to be on it, you and the, uh, the punditry. And it used to be on. It was like you had to pay extra for it. And uh, Man United have come in with a bid. I can't remember how you probably correct, but I don't remember how much it was. And Coleman was adamant. He's not going anywhere. We're not, we're not being held to ransom. He's, he's a Fulham player. He's doing this, that and the other. And back then, his head, I remember his head was turned. We played in Middlesbrough away from home. Um, I think it was like a Monday or Tuesday. Night. I remember watching it. And Louis R, probably not the first example of player power, because we spoke about Van Hoydonk in the past. But a guy you could see... He, I'm not playing for you, Coleman. He was walk- this guy that was scoring the goal again. He was just walking up and down, just kicking his heels, couldn't give a fuck. Coleman took him off. Can't remember where when about he took him off, but he deserved to come off. He just you could see he was doing it on purpose. And I think maybe the Thursday night or something on Sky Sports News along the bottom, breaking news: there is our signs of Manchester United for what was it, ten million? Twelve point four. Twelve point four million, and that was that. Gone, selling club. So, yeah, when the likes of Man United come in for players from a team like Fulham, it's, you're not going to turn it down, are you? you know? So, but at, when he was at Fulham, yeah, I've got no, no qualms about it. Qualms about. Well, you said that he arrived at Fulham having, exactly. as you said, a flop at Newcastle, right? Because I've, at Newcastle, he went on loan from, it was Mets at the time, and he played, it was 11, goal, 11 games and one goal. But even at Mets, prior to that, he only scored five goals in 47 appearances. So he was never prolific. Pr- pr- no. prolific. Um, yeah, so yeah. When you signed him, it, it was still a bit of a risk, really, because he played in the Premier League, wasn't very good. But you, you signed him for 2.1 million at the time, which was, you know, a relatively risk-free amount of money, even in by that standard. Um, and then when we went in for him, he scored 10... That, that season that you were just talking about, he, was, he currently scored 10 goals in his first 11 games. Um and he scored 27 goals in his debut season. Do you yeah, remember yeah. he's um, the opening, the, the, your first game in the Premier League was against Man United and it was a free watch win. Yeah. And he scored mm. two goals against us, against, I think he lobbed Bartes in one of the goals. Mm. Um, and obviously we signed him midway through that season for 12 and a half million. Uh, but he was just injured all the time. It's such a shame because I thought he was, if he stayed fit, he reminded me of Andy Cole a lot. He needed a, yeah. one or two chances. Yeah. Go on, go on. Olympic. If he if he had a run at United, I think he and he's still loved by the fans, even though he only played he played about eighty games for us. Actually, you know, started or or, or had a, a part of, and he scored under thirty goals. But he's really loved at the club. He's got this affiliation that, um, again, injuries just really hampered his his career. Uh, yeah. So, do, do you remember that game, the opening game in the Premier League that season? Then with Saha, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I do remember. Yeah, I remember watching it home with my dad. Yeah, what, that wasn't that season you signed him. That was when we had the pizza up kit. We were at him. He, he played a full season for us. Yeah. 
then we had a bye and we moved to Loftus Road. And that's where his, his injuries came. And that's when Tigana didn't have him for very much. Um, so we had we had like the likes of Marley, which weren't really a replacement for him. Um, he was playing bit parts because he was so injured. And then he then he came back full fully fit. Coleman was the manager then. That's when he started to kick on, and that's when you lot took him off us. But yeah, yeah, no, I've I've got no qualms to say. Totally, it's not it ain't well. It's totally, it's not world class. He's not great. I think he's a very very good striker. I put him in a very good bracket. So yeah, yeah. fair enough. I yeah. think he, he. I mean, when he started with us, I think he, I think his first ten games he scored seven goals. Oh, he scored, I, I remember he scored one. on his debut for Man United. Yeah, against a free kick, didn't he? Yeah, yeah against Southampton. Yeah. Um, it was a four-three win as well. Um, well, mm. actually, we're, we're talking about Luis Saar, but let's go on to someone else who, who in that game made their debut for Man United. Do you know who made his debut in the same? If it's Fulham link. It's got to be sort of Van der Sar, is it? No, no, it's, no, it's not Fulham linked. Isn't this? This is not Fulham. Linked. It's just that we played them, um, and we won three-two. Saha scored two, who we signed the following season. But a, a striker made a debut for Man United in that same game. And obviously, Ronaldo making his debut this weekend or re-debut. I thought. Oh, go I, on, I, I don't know. Could be anyone. Matt Destroy. Oh, was it there? I thought he was there already. No. No, he made his iconic debut um, that same game. Uh, he scored two against none other than Fulham. Oh, uh, sorry. Yeah, I'm with you against Fulham. Yeah, sorry. I thought you meant against Southampton. No, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he came in a year late. Um, we, I mean, for us at United at the time, obviously. Saha come in the following season, but Rude came in a year later because he was supposed to come in the year before, got a crucial ligament in- injury, and we were always still going to sign him. But we moved showing him on, and he came in with some, you know, some pressure on him. How good? I mean, talk about Fox in the box, and we've spoken about him briefly in other parts of the show about your love for him and, and whatnot. Mm. But would you say he was the original Fox in the box in the Premier League? Would I be fair? Would you want to say in terms of? He scored 21 of his 35 goals at home in his first season. And I think he scored in all his career at United. I think he only scored one goal outside of the box. I mean, how good was Ruud van Nistrooy? Oh, he's, for me, he was world-class, Paul. For me, he was world-class. I, I, was, I, was, I lost contact, like I said before, I've lost, I lost contact with you guys in the early 20s. And me and, um, not, me and another mate, we was absolutely obsessed with him. Um, it, was, it started off with his, his air style, his floppy air flop and all about it. It was a silly thing. And then we started getting addicted to watching his goals because he was racking up the goal after goal after goal after goal. Um, but yeah, when you say Fox in the box, um, six-yard box, I always remember Andy Cole for Newcastle. If you're talking about original Foxes in the boxes in, in our era, I always remember Andy Cole in the six-yard box. He was an original Fox in the box for me. There would have been, obviously, players before him. How many goals did he score for Man United? So he's playing at the well, highest 150 level. 150 goals, around the 150-goal mark. And, and again, one was outside the box in his, in his United career, which is unheard of. There's no other striker that I can, for Man United or for any other club, that I can... Yeah. Maybe Lineker might have been an example, I would maybe say. Um but in the Premier League era, you said Andy Cole was a good example. But I think Andy Cole could also score all types of goals. Whereas Ruud van Nistelrooy, you never, you never associate him with a free kick or a, no, no, a thirty-yard screamer or a header. You know, there's just it was something about him. And the reason why I mentioned him, I don't know if you saw Ronaldo's re-debut goal yesterday. He scored two goals, and the first goal he scored yesterday was a spill from the goalkeeper and a tap in, and it is identical to Ruud van Nistelrooy's goal against Fulham in that 3-2 game. That's why I brought him up because I was watching the highlights okay. earlier. And it's just, at United, it's amazing. At any club, they just don't, they're not around anymore, those goal hangers. I wonder, In the 90s, a lot of players could score from all over the place, yes. But you always had someone that knew how to time a run or chasing a ball after a goalkeeper, which seems to have disappeared now compared to the 90s. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's fair to say or, or do you disagree with that? 
No, I agree. I'm trying. While you're speaking, I'm trying to think of one. Um, but when you say Van Nistelrooy scored just one goal outside the box, Van United. Yeah, I find that hard to believe, man. I know he scored. A, he scored like against Fulham. Well, this is what Ronaldo is now. I mean, uh, when when we re-signed him, a lot of people were going, "Oh, you know, he's going to be able to do it." Blah 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 blah. And I thought, well, we no club has someone that just sits in the box anymore. And not only did that yesterday, but just what it's nice to see a, a striker that's got. You know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer United is, was was someone who could had score them kind of goals as well. It was the instinct of being in the box and just knowing where to be. But yeah, you just don't. I, want, I don't know why, and that's why I think Ronaldo in the Premier League, you know, more modern stuff, but we'll, we'll, we'll get thirty goals. But I mean, for for me, when Saha back into the topic, when Saha came to United, yeah, he played up something with, with Rude, and they complemented each other quite quite nicely. But you know, yeah, Louis had pace though as well, didn't he? Yeah, 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 he was very fast. A good, great, and a great first touch as well. Mm. Um, and then obviously later on in, in down the line, we signed Va- Van der Sar. I mean, how, how did that come about? What? How the hell did, did he leave to go to Fulham? I mean, no disrespect, but he was a world class goalkeeper. Mm. Yeah, I he's mean, like, he was, yeah, yeah, he's a bit like Henri, wasn't he? As in, he didn't have a good time at Juventus. Hated it there, like the, the move. And yeah, I don't know how he how he came to Fulham when you got. I don't know whether the top six or the top four at that time went in for him. I would have thought they would have done, but maybe the attraction of London, maybe Alphire said you can have what you want. I don't. I just don't know, Paul. I just remember him signing for Fulham on the back of the Sun newspaper, and I thought, wow, that's a great signing. Yeah, I'm happy with that. But then nothing more was said. Played fantastic for Fulham, and then once again, Man United come in and take him away from us. So, but that's you got to expect that sort of thing. It's going to happen now. It's going to happen in every every season for the majority of clubs. You're going to have yeah. the players taken away. You just got you just you just got to, I think, make the most of them while they're there, or hope hope hopefully they make the most of the time at their club at your club. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that great. Probably one of the best players we've we've had as a name um, to come to Fulham. I think in my time, you know, everything everybody else that they've signed, you either haven't heard of or have been sort of good average. You know, so yeah, I, yeah, Van der Sar, major coup, major coup, mate. Yeah, I mean, when we signed, when we we, when you got him, I was I remember at the time thinking, what? We were struggling for goalkeepers at the time, and then at Fulham, I remember he was just phenomenal. I mean, wasn't there a game at the back end of it? He, he saved two penalties in a row. Was it Villa? Probably, I Paul. I can't remember. You probably right. Yeah, I know he's fantastic. Yeah, he saved, he saved he two is. penalties, and he's just Matty. And when he came to United, I mean, he was just he fit like a glove. Yeah, um, missing but, link. But, yeah. I do also think if he came to United straight off of where was it Juve uh, he came from? Is that right? Juventus, yeah, yeah. Yeah. If he came from there straight to United, maybe he would have struggled because the, the pressure being there coming from Juventus, who who he, he wasn't having a great time there. He lost no. his place to um, Buffon at the time because they they paid thirty two million for for Palmer and he came in and he was second choice and that's why he moved on. Um, he's only there for two years. He, he, as you said, he struggled quite a bit and then came into Fulham. And I, I, I wonder if, if that was why he didn't get a big club move because, you know, he was out by foot by Juventus and maybe it was a bit like, oh, maybe he's not, he's not good yeah, enough. Good but going to Fulham allowed him to bed into the English game and, and adapt, you know, to the physicality of it. And obviously the rest is history, so to speak. Mm. So um, I never thought of it like that. You probably got a point there. Maybe they, what, what you're saying, he, he hasn't when he went to Juventus, he's not hitting the heights that he did at Ajax. Mm. So maybe there's something wrong with him now. He's not as good as he was. And obviously that theory proved wrong. But went to Fulham as a stepping stone, proved he was good enough in the Premier League, and then went to United and he won the Champions League, you know, Man United, did he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So he kicked on again. And I wonder if the next 
project we're talking about. We're going to come off off of Fulham slightly, but yeah. I think I always see Fulham as the first mould. And I said at the beginning, it used that championship manager kind of thing. Right, we're going to uh, the project's a five year plan, take them from the bottom, win the Premier League, or get to the top of the Premier League. Uh, we'll spend some money, we'll buy names from other divisions. The, the second club to do that, which was I was a bit older and I think I was a bit more in not into football, but I understood the game a bit more was uh, Pompey. Um, mm. I think they definitely used the fuller model of signing big players, bringing a big manager, um, spending a fair. For their case, it was a bit more money than, than they could afford. With Fulham, luckily, financially, they've always been secure since Alfire took yeah. over. He, has, he did do that. Well, let's let's talk about Pompey then. Don't know if it was disclosed how much he paid for Pompey, but he took over he in Sheffield Wednesday as well. He went into Sheffield uh, Wednesday. Yeah, he, he yeah. later on. He, yeah, he went to Sheffield. I think he paid a pound for that though. But I think that was off, kind of, yeah. Yeah, was saying silly because you know, but I mean, amazing how he was allowed to take on another club after the the, the way he left Portsmouth in absolute absolute mess um financially but let's go on to that so they got into the prem they had a run they were in division one uh, and red was director of football and then he took over from graham ricks and again it's championship manager stuff you look at their players now right shaka hislop uh Gianluca fester uh stone sherwood and obviously a bit of quality in merson but do you remember todrov yeah i remember Todrov up front yeah he scored loads of goals didn't he the bulgarian yeah i mean uh, <sighs> He scored 26 goals in, in the championship season when they went up to the Premier League. And Redknapp was like a beaver, didn't he? Remember his teeth? I remember. Uh, yeah, sorry, Paul. Yeah, go on. Chodrov on the Insta. Um, yeah. uh, Redknapp signed him at West Ham. And he flopped. And everyone, you know, another Mar- Michael Abugas or Radachoye. But in the, mm. in the League One, he was smashing it. He scored goal after goal after goal. And he, he, he's gone down in folklore for, for them because he scored the winning goal against Burnley to take them up to the Premier League. And then yeah. sadly, when he got there, he was just injured and they brought in Teddy Sheridan from, uh, I think it was from Man United. They, they, no, because they went Spurs, didn't they? I think it was when they brought him from Spurs uh, and they brought in Yakubu, David James. I mean, their team was phenomenal. And it was championship manager stuff, Sol Campbell. And then obviously they went on to win the 07-08 FA Cup yeah. uh, that oh, year. Yeah. But what, yeah, what else do you remember about their, their run in, in that period? I mean, one of your favourite players was there, old uh, Nwanko. Oh, Carno, yeah, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, well done, Paul. Yeah, like, what, I was just going to say, all those players you mentioned there, um, a bit, well, it is clever for Mary. They're all experienced players. Every player you've mentioned there, bar Todorov, mm. um, all experienced, they're very experienced playing in the Premier League, aren't they? Look, you've got Canu there and um, Sol Campbell, two title winners. Um, you mentioned Steve Stone, David James, you know, regular in the Premier League throughout, throughout the night. So they've got a bit of stability there, a bit of experience. I'm not surprised that they, hold, they held their own, you know? Um, I don't know too much about Mandy Rich's financial dealings, to be honest. So I'm not going to comment on that. Um, I know the players that they bought in were good players, not great players. But they they done for them to, to win an FA Cup, I'd love for them to do to concentrate on the cup and get a bit of silverware as well. You know what I mean? They played Cardiff. Was it Cardiff in the final? Was it Cardiff? I think so. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. They beat. Yeah, it must have been a great moment. Yeah, I, th- I think it was called Cardiff. But yeah, yeah. No, I just remember them. I've mentioned it when we done the off the cuff episode um, about grounds. Um, it's the best best atmosphere. It's not the best ground I've ever been to. Even though I'm a fan of the old grounds, it's the best atmosphere I've ever been to. Their fans are amazing for singing. They're absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say I've had a soft spot for Pulse, but yeah, I do remember them in the Premier League. They're a pretty tough side to beat, weren't they? Um, everyone liked watching them play. Um, when you listen to radio stations back in the day, and that they always said always talking about Portsmouth. Um, Harry's side but yeah they were, they were a breath of fresh air I think to the Premier League Paul 
Yeah, it's oh, a shame. Okay. But they're, now they're in League One, is it? They're in League One, so it's a shame what's happened to them. I'm lucky Fulham haven't gone that far backwards yet. Um, so yeah, yeah. That kind Good of time thing, I think. I think, as we said, Fulham were left in a in a better situation financially yeah. in terms of the owners, whereas Mandrick that they was they had to then have a fire sale with. I mean, the FA Cup teammate. I mean, Glenn Johnson, Sol Campbell, Distan, uh, Lasana Daro went on to Real Madrid. John Utaka, yeah. uh, Crankyar, obviously a, a famous hurry signing. Um, Milan Barros, uh, Papa Diop. I mean, it's, it's a great team with with obviously a lot of money was spent on that team, and then yeah. all of a sudden that season after, I think it was the um, they won the FA they won the FA Cup in 2000-2008. They finished eighth, which was their their best season, and then the following season is when the money troubles came in when they were fourteenth. Um, and then the following season they got relegated, and it was just down. It was like they went down to the Championship, then they finished near the bottom. Then they got relegated. Then they got relegated again. And it was just one thing after another. And this is where I said the championship manager element, because it's like Mandrick came in, had again, a, probably a five-year plan to bring success to Pompey, which he did, arguably. And you have to, it would be really interesting to speak to a Pompey fan to find out, you said just then about, I wish we focused on the cup. Would you take an FA Cup win, a good European run, you know, a couple of years in the Premier League, but within seven years of that, you go down to League Two. Would you rather have had their memories and won silverware? Because at the end of the day, it's about winning silverware. Or would you rather be a club, a bit like Fulham, who've gone up and down and kind of never really got had a good cup run, apart from the, obviously, UEFA Cup run, had an Intertoto Cup run, as we said, early, early days. But what would you rather as a fan have? That's a hard question, isn't it, really? I think someone from my dad's generation would have the silverware because they used to have been in the low leagues. Um, I saw them in the low leagues really for one season and I was lucky enough to watch them win trophy after trophy, well, three trophies on the trot, um, cut the promotion, um, playoffs and that. So I'm used to the trophy aspects really and I'm used to them being, they remember they was in a premiership for a good 10 years before they got relegated the first time yes. um, in the, uh, just after the naughty. So I'm used to success. If you want to call that success, really, yeah, I'm, I'm used to the success. Generation now um, will probably would say definitely not. I want to fill them in the Premier League year in, year out. But I suppose my heart of hearts, I, I am sort of traditionalist, Paul. I do like silver. I like trophies. I love the old FA Cup. So, yeah, I probably would go for a, a good cup run. Well, we had, to, just saying that, we had a good uh, cup. We got to the final of the UEFA Cup, remember? Mm-hmm. So that was a good cup run. Um, I think the semis of the um, FA Cup is the closest we've uh, we've got since '75. So yeah, no, nah, yeah, I'd, I'd go. I'd, being a traditionist, I'd go for the an FA Cup win, a bit of silverware, day out at Wembley. Um, yeah, silverware. I've said it now. Silverware <laughs> over the Premier League for me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Not stop, don't stop. Not stopping in the lower leagues. Don't get we'll come back again, but pretty soon. But yeah, no, I do like silverware. That's the that's the point of it. When you look at um, players' CVs and managers' CVs over the years, and they they had this team and they had that player, you know, and you have a look, but they haven't won anything. Got nothing to show for it, really. So yeah, no, I for me, Paul. Yeah, I'd, I'd say silverware, mate. No, I, I, it's a, it's a, it's an age-old question. I mean, we said I think in the FA Cup one before about um, what's more important is it? It's like Wigan when they won the won the FA Cup but got relegated, and it was kind of, and obviously they've been on a downward trajectory yeah. since again. But you'll never be able to take that that moment of every player's got an FA Cup winning medal. The fans who got to go to the game will never forget that. that, that there'll be stories told for years and years and years. And unfortunately, with the Premier League, again, compared to now, we have to we do have to use now as a comparison. Pompey, Wigan, 
you know, I think Burnley's an accepted as a team now that you would say you always associate Burnley and Wigan and those with lower league teams. It's usually a bit like Fulham. You they know, were. But, That's right. Because they were, yeah. Yeah. And then it almost feels like, right, well, we've got into the, the promised land and we just want to stay there. We, we don't want to come out of that. And it doesn't matter about the cups. And you're thinking, well, surely you want to win a cup because... I don't, I don't understand, in, in, and we are talking about modern football, but it does go back a bit as well. Mm. I've never understood why teams forget, you know, when you get into the Premier League, I understand if you're getting up for the money for the first season, but go for the Cups. Every every team should be going for Cups because at the end of the day, it's a bit like the Harry Kane thing now. Everyone's going, well, should he move on, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, your career is short and it's not about how many appearances you've got or how many goals you scored or what goal of the season you've got. It's about what's on your trophy cabinet at the end of a season or the end of your career. And I always find it interesting, and we've spoken to pros about it, but I always find it interesting that that clubs and managers don't prioritise cups. I just find it fascinating. Um, you know, do you think but, it's managers, though, Paul? Do you think it's owners? Because from a big business point of view, um, going to the lower leagues and just winning the FA Cup or the League Cup, it's not enough for them, is it? But from a fan's point of view, you want to see success as in silverware, so... I don't know if it's always the manager, but then I don't know. You don't know what goes on behind closed doors, do you? I mean, look, are, you, are you talking about the team lineups that they put out, which goes to show that they're not interested in winning silverware. They just want to concentrate on stopping in the Premier League. Yeah. You know? I mean, championship clubs now, I think we said in the previous podcast, and I think me and Mida spoke about it, and we're saying that championship clubs are putting out reserve teams in a League Cup game against, mm. against another a championship or a League One team. And you're thinking... Because all they want to do, and I think it comes from the top. I think it's the it's the owners of the club, quite rightly so. Because again, we've spoken about it. Football's a business. They want to be as successful as possible. And success now isn't winning a league cup or a Intertoto Cup or this comp, UEFA Conference. Success now is getting in the Premier League and getting the money that comes with it. But let's let's move on. I mean, the ultimate club. This will be the last club we, we bring into it now. In terms of we've referred Championship Manager quite a lot. This was the one I think. You had Fulham, then you had Pompey, and you had little places around it. I think you had Real Madrid with a Galactic, Galactico situation, which is that championship manager kind of format. But Real Madrid are a massive club. Then you've got Chelsea. You know, the famous story we've all heard, you know, front of a helicopter, looked down, tried to buy yeah. Wembley. <laughs> no, that's not, you can't buy that. Tried to buy Spurs, and then you end up buying Chelsea in 2003. Um, you know, that was a, a team that was... Mid-table most seasons, had some good cup runs, but they came in and then, boy, did they sign players. I mean, mm. what, what was that? Do you, I mean, we was in school at the time and it was just every time it went in the back right. page on Teletext, Chelsea have signed this player, Chelsea have signed that player. What do you remember about that period? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, now on the head there, Paul, really. Um, we spent, we spent on the London Clubs episode, we spoke about Chelsea in the 90s. They were a nothing club. They were never mentioned. It was all Arsenal QPR the early years. Like you said, um, they had the good cup runs. They won some silverware. They won the UEFA Super Cup as well, I think, and the Cup Winners' Cup. So they did win silverware. But when it comes to kicking on and challenging the leagues, they weren't. They were nowhere near Manchester United, even Newcastle and Arsenal. So, yeah, the back of the evening stand. I remember that story. Um, it was a roundabout, that wasn't it? He came over to buy um, Spurs or Wembley. Couldn't have it, and you know, just said he had Chelsea, and it just fell into. It, you know, it's just luck, and it really sounds like just luck. Threw his millions at it, wanted to make. Um, I don't know if it's a making making money process for him because I, I, I couldn't see the profit in it, but I'm not business minded. So maybe it was just to get Chelsea into the elite league, I suppose, win the leagues, win silverware, attract the best names. Being in London, that's where it's happening. Yeah, I, yeah, I just remember it happening so quickly. 
maybe should I say, I remember the Mourinho winning the Champions League with Porto and taking his medal off. And I think everyone watching that game at night, especially British British people watching it, say he's off to Chelsea. Is the next thing you know, he was doing that special speech, and the rest is history. And like the, the players that he signed for a ridiculous amount of money, continuing today with an open checkbook. All right, well, let's, let's talk about Roman. He comes in in 2003, buys Chelsea for, ends up being 140 million. When we spoke about Fulham being bought for 6.75, you know, only seven years before. Um, mm. Chelsea, he comes in, uh, yeah, 140 million in total with all buys. First season, they spent 121 million pounds. Damien Duff for 17, Heron Crespo for 17, Cloud McAlealy, Juan Sebastian Ferron from us. I mean, which was grateful because 15 million for Ferron at the time, we paid 28 for. I mean, it was, it was daylight robbery. It was for us. Mm. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, but their wages was the interesting. They had a 114 million pound wage bill that season. Um, and they finished second. Claudio Ranieri was replaced as manager by Jose Mourinho, as you said, after the Porto thing. I always that always stuck with me a little bit with Claudio because he came in and um, was doing a decent job. He finished second only to the Invincibles that season, which was like, you know, no one was going to beat them that season. They got knocked out by Monaco in the Champions League and then he was on his ass. And obviously mm-hmm. they brought in Jose, who was a bit more of a, a, a fancy, fancy name, where he brought in Drogba, Carvalho, Ferreira, Aaron Robin. Uh, but they went on to win the Champions, uh, the, the Premier League that season. I mean, this was, as I said, championship manager stuff. I mean, their first team they, do you reckon you can name the first 11 but any of the players that started Roman's first game compared to his later on like the players he had in the team uh, I'll, have a, I'll have a guess at the top of my head so I'll go check in goal no but pr- this is no, prior no. to prior to Roman coming in so Roman's oh. first game came in and it was Claudio Rene's first Premier League game what was the lineup? Oh, bl- blind me. okay then. so I'm thinking Cudicini in goal is it? correct um he must have had John Terry must have been there at the back with Frank Buff. No, Desai. Uh, no, Desai. Okay. Uh, right back. Dan Petrescu, right back? No. Ben Johnson. Oh, okay. Um, left back. Ooh. No, no, don't know left back. Wayne Bridge. Oh, Wayne Bridge. Oh, God, oh, God yeah. Um, Lampard. Yeah. Obviously. Uh, oh, um, yes, but yes, for someone. Oh, Gonkia. Yeah. Yes, we're gone. Yeah. Now I'm. I'm. Uh, did you have um, Sutton up front then? Was it always that bit earlier? No, it was. It was Adam Miller's favourite striker. Do you remember who that is? Who? Ida Gunjonson. Oh, Good Johnson. Yeah. Now without anything in front of me, I'm struggling now, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Good Johnson. I remember. Yeah. I was thinking of bloody Paul Lintz and Joe Cole with him. Good Johnson. <laughs> yeah. Now looked, I do remember now. Yeah, and then uh, literally three years later, it was Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He he was he had gone by that time, I believe. Oh, I think he went to I think it was at Leeds or Borough. But you had Wright Phillips, Sen, Shevchenko, Crespo, Carvalho, Aaron Robin, Drogba. Uh, you know, in the space of three years, they literally changed nine of the players. Check Ch- came in I think a little bit later. Um, I mean, that <sighs> you talk about money in football. I know it's a shame Holland's not here because he kept talking about Man United buying the league and buying the league, and it's being used with Man City now almost, but. That has got to be the, the the biggest example outside of Blackburn of a team literally buying the league. I mean, it, yeah, it's mental. Yeah, and now it, yes. it, it just yeah, it's not what you can say really because that's that's based to what it is, isn't it? Someone's throwing a buckload of money at them. Um, you've got an open checkbook. Go and buy who you want, and we will win. So it's something we haven't really seen. Like you say, Jack Walker's money is a pittance. 
compared to Romans, but obviously that's inflation as well. Times, you know, even between the early nineties and the early two thousands, the money uh, transfer money had changed dramatically. So, yeah, that's probably the the perfect example of somebody literally thrown it. and it's still the same state, isn't it? Nothing, nothing's changed. It's just more clubs doing it, more clubs competing to do it now. So there's a lot of not just millionaire um, owners, but billionaire owners. Well, you state know? so Fulham's an example as well. Yeah, our well, owner's a billionaire. Yeah. Well, the final There's, question. Be millionaire owners, didn't they? Multi-millionaires, but now we've got billionaire owners. So, well, you've got state funding next trillion PSG. You know, they're state-run countries that are running clubs. The final question I would say then is, as a fan of Fulham, who again had a well, we've put them in that bracket because we started on the journey with Fulham about how they, you know, the money in football came in, the championship manager spending, and the you know paying one point one million in Division Two. But do you think there's a bit of resentment now? towards these so-called elite clubs and, and having the open checkbooks? Or do you just think it's part and parcel? Because if you're a, a, a let's go down to a, a Gillingham, as you said earlier on, or a Barnet, yeah. an owner can't come in now and invest the money that would be needed to invest to get to the heights of where Chelsea and those are because the EPL and all the other stuff. And people have gone, it's, oh, it's good because it's trying to level the playing field. But it isn't. It's just closing the door to everyone else being able to do it. Newcastle is a great example run by Mike Ashley. He's been trying to sell the club for God knows how many years or allegedly um, these Saudi Arabia lot have tried to come in, but the move's been blocked by the Premier League, but it hasn't. It's been blocked by the elite in the, in the Premier League, your Man United, your Chelsea's, your Arsenal's. They've blocked it because they don't want another billionaire coming in and turning Newcastle into another Man City. But as a lower league club, is there any yeah. resentment in that? Oh, I don't know. Um, resentment? No, definitely not. Um, be a bit sort of calling the kettle black if you like, because we, we more or less did it, didn't we? You know, if without our fires money, we wouldn't have got to the Premier League in five years. We'll probably still be, we might have had one season in the Premier League. I don't know. No, there's no resentment whatsoever. I just think it's, times change. You know, times do change. Um, people say, you know, to me, it's, it's not just a cliche thing, but I like the 90s. I actually got a lot of love for the 80s music, stuff like that. People say, oh, you live in the past. No, I don't live in the past. I live in the present. But I, I, I miss things from the past and I appreciate things from the past you know there's a big difference but yeah things change um, I suppose in 20 years time Paul we look back at today's football and think certain things that are going on uh, did that actually happen compared to you know 2040 cool, that was a pittance is that all they play for that club is that all they pay for that player you know I, no the original question do I any resentment no not at all because uh, Chelsea was probably the first club to do it to an extent by obviously Blackburn but they won't be the last so it's going to here's the thing here's the thing I mean years ago on the Sky Sports Charlie Nicholas said one thing it's all stuck with me he said in years to come all those 20 Premier League sides are all going to have billionaire owners he says and we speak week in week out what goes wrong here what goes wrong there why is this player not doing this why is that team not doing that he said three are going to go down three billionaire owners have spent Millions and millions are going to get relegated. What excuse are they going to use? Because we've done the too good to go down thing, but the money spent shouldn't be going down. Yeah, so where, where do you go from there? You're going to so that money's going to go into the championship then. Well, I mean that's and then uh, is the championship going to be full of million billionaire owners? It, that's what I'm saying. But that's what that's what I mean by times change. You know. Yeah, you're right because that's that's already happening. That is that is, I yeah. think when when COVID hit, one of the the things being banned around was these championship clubs with their, their bowls out to the the, the the government or whatever it would be the sporting people um 
And the combined wealth of the championship was unbelievable. I think they had yeah, the 20 clubs that are uh, in it. I, I'm sure I'm, I'm probably wrong on this, but it's near about, I think, 12 of the 24 clubs in it had million um, like millionaire owners. I think two were bit of Stoke were owned by Bet365, which is a billion dollar company or billion pound company. And this is happening. I think the difference is now is the championship have different rules to the Premier League, which makes it a bit, it's so competitive as it is. But I'll use, just so we'll finish off, but I just want to bring in QPR. And again, Harper's not here, which is unfortunate. But I think they were the first first club outside of Pompey that actually spent a bucket load of money and still went down under Tony Fernandez when he came in. They spent absolute tons of money when Redknapp yeah. was there and they Rio Ferdinand came in, Joey Barton came in, and they went down. And I think Tony Fernandez had to write off 180 million pounds in loans, personal loans, um, mm. towards the club because of that. So just throwing money at it isn't always the option, you know. But nine times out of ten, it, you're successful if you can sustainably yeah. throw money at something consistently like you know all these clubs do because you sign players for silly money in the hope they don't work out and if you don't you just replace them because you've got the money to do so i think i think we'll leave it there i think that we've covered most of the things on on, on i don't know if we call this episode the championship manager episode <laughs> i think rice at the top would be a good good one for this pool rice yeah. at the top that's a good one yeah so that's basically what we spoke about haven't we Teams that teams that have been skinned are in the lower leagues, making their way up to the prem, and either stopping yeah. there or getting relegated. So, I, I really enjoyed it, Dave. Hopefully, um, you've got anything planned for the week. Anything coming up? Well, um, I'll be planning the quiz for next week. Hopefully, the rest of the lads will be turning up, so I'll get my questions ready. Apart from that, same as usual, mate. So, yes, yeah, stay tuned, and we'll see you all next week. Lovely. See you, mate. Bye bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.